one of my tags, one of my hashtags on Facebook is the Freestyle Praise Fanatic. I, I put stuff about worship and I say hashtag the Freestyle Praise. Because I'm a Freestyle Praise Fanatic. I worship God. I dance. I shout. I do all kind of stuff. I'm a dancing priest. I worship the Lord. Amen. I find people can dance for all kind of foolishness and stupid stuff, but they can't dance before the Lord. David danced before the Lord. David worshiped the Lord. Hallelujah. With all his strength, with all his might, with everything. That's why he won all his battles. Because he loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continuously be in your mouth. When you learn how to, when you learn how to become a worshiper, you take all your emotions from other stuff that's pulling you down and you pour it into worship. Amen. You exchange. You got, you got to go to the spiritual, spiritually, the spiritual exchange place and exchange all that junk in and trade that emotion in and take it in and give it to God. That's why you can't get Johnny out your system. He ain't no good for you. That's why you can't get Susie out your system and she's rotten for you because you're still bound up with regret. Take that stuff on down there and give all that energy you give and all that foolishness and give it over to the Lord. Let him launder and wash that stuff and he'll give it back to you. You'll be free of Johnny. You'll be free of Susie. You'll be free. Come on, somebody. You'll be free of any other idol. It ain't easy when you feel like your world is falling apart to go ahead and just begin to bless the Lord and begin to worship the Lord anyway. Your first inclination is to say, ah, that's your first inclination. Ah, that's what you want to do. That's what your flesh wants to do. You take all that emotion and say, nope, nope. The Lord has been good. I'm going to bless the Lord anyway. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to take all this offering, all this sacrifice. See, that's what you're giving the Lord. You're giving him emotion, heart, passion. I'm going to take all that from that, and I'm going to exchange it. I've traded my sorrow. I'm going to trade it in for the joy of the Lord. And they wonder, how can you be dancing in trials? How can you be singing and you're in prison? How can you do these things? How can you sing in a strange land? They don't know. See, you just become a peculiar people. These people are crazy. They rejoice in the hell is breaking loose. What's wrong with these people? Because we learn the secret. It's to give, to find a way to praise him and offer up the sacrifice of praise. Amen. Worship is a technology. That's right. God gave it to you. It's an all-purpose technology. Hallelujah. Amen. You can't be in doubt while you're really worshiping God. You can't be in fear while you're worshiping God. You ain't feeding the enemy when you're praising God. Amen. He can't draw nothing off you. No anger. It's all just all that giving it to the Lord. Amen. That's why the Bible says lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Amen. He's saying, why do you think he said that, wrath and doubting? Because that's an option for you. You choose not, oh, I'm going to go to the menu, I option out, I'm going to take praise for 500, Alex. I'm going to go ahead and give God some glory. <clears throat> I'm going to worship, I'm going to make myself. David said, I command myself. So I'm going to command myself to worship the Lord. I don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to make myself do it. What makes you think God enjoys all the worship when you really feel like doing it because everything is going your way? You say, the Lord, I'm going to give it to you. I feel good about God today. And you think the Lord is like, yeah, thank you. It's good. It's the sacrifice of praise when you don't feel like doing it. And everything in your body says, you say, I'm not going to give in to that spirit. My helper is still alive. I'm not going to be afraid of any man. The Lord is my help. The Lord is the Lord is my life and my salvation. Who shall I fear? See, I sing that kind of stuff. I don't know about you, but I sing that stuff. Amen. I say the songs. I sing the songs. Thy loving kindness is better than life. Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee, thus shall I bless thee. I will lift up my hands in thy name. You didn't know you could make songs. That's a song. David sung that. What happens when you start singing songs that are inspired by the Holy Ghost? 
You know, a lot of this stuff people are making up calling praise and worship and ain't inspired by the Holy Ghost. It's a love song that was going to shop to the world, but nobody wanted it, so they just changed it around and made it for Jesus and sold it to you. That's why you find a lot of these guys not even saved, and they have crisis of faith and don't believe in God. It's my favorite. That's my favorite praise and worship leader. He don't even believe in God. He's been struggling with all that doubt and all that stuff while he was worshiping God. He was struggling internally, pooling it all out and over the people, putting it out on the atmosphere, and you drinking up all that doubt and unbelief from that spirit. Ah, you don't believe it? People give off energy. Because you are an energetic being. You carry an energy. You got a charge, either negative or positive. Come on. <laughs> you do. You carry a charge. You get around people, man, they have that wrong energy. Everybody has a chemistry, which is physical, and everybody has an energy, which is spiritual. You carry it. You put two chemicals together, you get a chemical reaction. Put two put energy together, you get, a, you get an energetic reaction. Amen. Amen. You got you to find out what wavelength, what, what people vibing on. You ever had somebody come in your house and bring a whole new spirit in there? And you say, Lord, they got to go. You ever invited some guests over and say, look, I didn't know you was like this, but you can't bring that here. No, no, no. People bring a spirit in your house and you be wondering why you can't sleep the next night in your house. What, what's going on? Residue. Of, there's a residue of energy left over. Get on out of here. Sometimes you got to go open the door, front door and say, all right, out. Whoever's in here, get out. Get out, get out. You can't stay here. Got to go. I traded my stuff. I traded it on out. Get rid of it. <laughs> Y'all look at me and laughing, but I'm telling you the truth. You have to be determined to walk with Jesus. You have to be determined to tell the devil you're not going to take control. You're not going to come in here and run this. You're not running it. You're not, I'm not going to let you take everything and ruin it. I'm not going to let you do it. If you don't do it, who? then who? Who's going to do it if you don't do it for your own family, your own children? If you don't do it, who will? Amen. Hallelujah. You have to contend for the faith. That means you got to fight for it. That means you got to hold on to it. you got to contend to it. Lay, lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on faith. You have to. And it's a constant battle because there are so many things that are designed in this world to take it from you. Do you not know that when you get money, and then you get some real nice money, I mean a real piece of change, that there's people who their job in life is to take your money from you. Did you know that? That's their job is to take that money from you. <laughs> Whether it's the IRS or whoever, it's their job to take that money from you. Whenever you get joy and you get the blessing of the Lord, it's, it's a devil out there. His job is to take it from you. But you got to contend for it. Look at somebody say, be a contender. Yeah, be, you got to fight for it. You got to hold on to it. Amen. You got to fight for your mind. Because you have all kinds of energies being directed towards you, satanic energy being directed towards you, to confuse you, to conflaculate you. I just made that word up. You don't know what that word is discombobulate you. Amen. If you're not careful. Amen. It's like radio waves moving through this room. There are radio waves that are carrying messages all through this room, but you don't have the receiver so you can't pick it up. But it doesn't mean they're no less going through this room. God is speaking, but do you have your radio tuned in? You got to have it tuned. You got to tune your spirit up. You got you to get, why do you think these things are in the natural, but there's a parallel in the spiritual? You got to get your spirit tuned up. Sometimes, sometimes you got to go on a tune up. Every now and then, the car ride around long enough, get bumped around, bang now. You got to take it in, get the tires rotated, get stuff ripped, spark plugs. You got to do that spiritually every now and then. Sometimes you got to push the plate back, go on a fast, cut the TV off, stop listening to other people. I'm not. I'm just going to focus. I'm going to fine tune my spirit. I'm going to tune up. Amen. Hello, lights. Turn to the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse number 23. We're going to pick up again what we talked about last week. We got deeply into the psyche and started talking about the soul of man and how soul is the mediator. The soul is the mediator between the spirit 
And see, a lot of the church today sadly focus on so many other things other than being led by the Spirit. Your number one thing in life is to be led by the Spirit accurately, and you'll be led by the Spirit accurately. You'll be led by the Spirit accurately. To hear the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit of God means to have success. And God's success doesn't always look like the world's success. Success was in the prison at midnight. That was success. Because they was doing the will of God. Paul and Silas wound up in jail doing the will of God. That was success. They were, they were led. Do you not know he had a dream? <laughs> he didn't know where to go. The Bible says in the 16th chapter, or 15th chapter of Acts that Paul, I'm going to come back to 7. I'm going to come back to Romans chapter 7. Paul was getting ready to go. He had been traveling, doing ministry. He was following the spirit of the Lord. And the Bible said he went to go to Phrygia. And as he was going to that place, the Bible says that the spirit of God grieved him or the spirit prompted him not to go. So just the inner witness, just the witness, he didn't have peace about going. It grieved the spirit, so he didn't go. Then the Bible says he turned his attention to go to somewhere else. And the Bible said, and the spirit forbade him not. A little bit stronger than witnessing. He forbade him to go. He didn't have, it stopped him from going. Don't go there. And it's something about God. God didn't tell him where to go. He just told him where not to go. A lot of times in the leading of the spirit, God will tell you what not to do, but not always what to do. Not at the instance. It's to you to keep pursuing and seeking. Are you listening? God will say, don't do that. Well, wait, well, what am I supposed to do? You got to wait a little while longer to get, get the instructions. So what did Paul do? The Bible says Paul stopped everything and said, you know, this is wearing me out. I'm going to take a nap. Look at somebody say, sometime you need to take a nap. Go to your room and take a nap and chill. Stop being anxious and in a hurry and frustrating yourself. If God wants something to happen, he's well able to do it. You got to learn how to back up and stop trying to be anxious and push your timetable on God. It's better to be two steps behind God than to be a step ahead of God. You're a step ahead of God, you're in trouble. But you're behind God. If you find out you can repent, you can catch right up. Amen. Preparation time is never lost time. So when you don't know what to do, spend your time preparing your spirit to receive what God has for you to do. I'm preaching better than y'all that say amen already. And Paul went to sleep and took a nap, and he had a dream, and a man from Macedonia appeared to him and said, come over here and help us. Not pizza dream, not a, not, a, not a Netflix dream. He had a dream that came from the Lord. He woke up and he said, this man from Macedonia who he didn't recognize and didn't knew, but God used the similitude. Now, the Bible says in the Old Testament that God spoke to the prophets by the similitudes. Look up that word similitude you'll find in the Old Testament. He spoke by similitude. People tell me, Pastor Reed, you were in my dream last night. I'm like, well, Satan, I rebuke you. What was I doing in your dream? And they say, no, no, you was in my dream and you were telling me something that God said. I said, that was me in your dream then. That was me. No, that wasn't me either. That was a similitude of me. I represent somebody of authority to speak to you, and I'm saying something to you. I don't always represent me. That wasn't me in your dream because I was at home in my bed sleeping, so obviously that wasn't me. That was a similitude, something that looked like me. God was using me to say something or speak something, and even sometimes your subconscious is picking me to receive something, not even that God picks it. See, in your subconscious, you have a vocabulary. You have a spiritual vocabulary of imagery inside of you. That's why you don't learn nothing, don't read nothing, don't pray nothing. You have a limited vocabulary. If God, if, if all the human race only had 500 words, only 500 words in existence, God would have to find a way to speak to you through those 500 words. But we have millions of words in existence, many of, millions of images, so God has many ways to speak to you depending on your IQ, depending on your spiritual IQ. Amen. When you're limited in your spiritual vocabulary, God is limited in his communication with you, especially through mediums of dreams and those sort of things. And that's why you get these hack-eyed ideas about stuff because you had a dream about it. You have to increase your spiritual How do you increase your capacity? Colossians 3 tells us, he says, and this new man increases his capacity, how? Through the epinosis of the image of him that created him. 
increasing your capacity by what? Receiving revelation knowledge. That's why the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, he says, wait a minute, pray this. He said, pray the Ephesian prayer. Pray that, he said, now, he said, Father, grant unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Going in the knowledge of Christ, in the knowledge that he provides, that he gives. Knowing in your knowledge of him. Becoming an expert on Jesus. You only become an expert on Jesus by dwelling with Jesus in the Gospels. By seeing what he said and seeing what he did. Because, you know, here's the thing. You're not reading about Shakespeare. You ain't reading about uh, Don Quixote. You ain't reading about uh, 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 some other fictionist character. You're reading about a real person. And this real person happened to have words that are eternal. And because Jesus' words are eternal, they are living now, even in that page that you're reading, they're still alive. They're just as live, living, and active as they were when he spoke them. The only thing they lack is sound, pitch, tone, and vibration. That's it. But when you take the word and you begin to say it, you add your pitch, tone, and vibration to words that are eternal, and they come alive again. They're just as alive. So when you're reading about Jesus, you're hearing revelation. Because Jesus is the revelation of God. Revelation is chapter 1. And this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not the revelation of the Antichrist. Not the revelation of the mark of the beast. Not the revelation of the end times and tribulation. Revelation is the revelation. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. What does it say? Which God gave unto him. Who is him? Jesus. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave to him. God gave to his son the revelation of who he was. God gave Jesus his identity. Well, I thought Jesus was God. He is. He came out of the Father. He was undefined inside of the Father. There was no point in defining who he was. Only when he came out of the bosom of the Father was there a reason to give him a name so he could be identified. But he is just like if you were able to project your soul out of your body, it would be no less you than your body, would it? So he is God of God, God from God, God of God, God and God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. It's only natural that he would send his mind inside of an empty body. Come on, somebody. He's no less God. That's how Jesus can be on the cross and praying to his father. Well, I used to belong to a group that believed that he was talking to himself. Like this was all some big charade and big act he was putting on. But no, he wasn't talking to himself. The Logos, the living Logos, because he was called, well, he wasn't even called the Logos. That's a name we gave him. That's an English term we applied to him. He was God of God. He was the living word, which Greeks called the Logos. He was in the Father. And he came out of the Father, and it was the Logos talking back to the Father. Just like your soul, your mind talks to your body and says, you ain't going to eat no more cheesecake. You've had enough cheesecake. And your flesh says, it's delicious. And creamy. And I want it. Again. No. Mm, I better say. And then also in the battle wind, you say, no, no, I can't. I have to stop. They don't know the exchange that went on between your soul and your flesh. Spirit ain't even chimed in. Spirit man says, deny the flesh. <laughs> and the soul says, oh, okay. And the flesh is like, no, I'm going to my room because I can't have what I want. That's how your flesh is. <laughs> but just like your body, how many of you ever got up in the middle of the night and stepped on a piece of Lego? <laughs> That's for folks that got kids. <laughs> I never step on Lego, thank you, Jesus. But I have bumped it against something. And you thought I got the Holy Ghost right there. You thought I caught the quickening right there in the spirit. 
But you know you can hurt your you can hurt your body really bad, right? Walking in the dark, stub you stubbed your foot or bumped your hand or hurt it, right? Right? Your body began to talk in body language and told your soul it was in pain. And your soul said, we better figure out logically, is it bleeding? No, it ain't bleeding. Did I, did I break a nail loose? What happened? It assesses the situation and it just, it just, you know what, the best thing we can do is rub it, rub it. Just rub it on out. Just rub it on out. Rub it on out. Flex it out a little bit. That's right. But bounce, just shout it out. I was cracking up one time. I was at somebody's house and their kid, they wouldn't do it. Their mama told them to do it. And they just kept on being disappointed. So I'm going to tell you to stop. You know how kids, they, they overdo it and then they get hurt. And I'm telling you, it was the funniest thing in the world. We, we ever heard that hurt when they get hit and they can't cry? It's like, a, it's like I told you to stop. No, no, no. Bam! It's like, you look at him like, he going to be okay? You ever had that happen to you? You ever seen it happen to somebody? And I was sitting there saying, see, you'll learn to sit your fan down when your mama tell you to, right? <laughs> Delayed reaction. And they got hit, they hurt themselves. And the, 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 I mean, it's like the whole body took over. It locked them. They couldn't even talk. The flesh took over and began to communicate pain. Your body has a language. It talks through the electrical impulses of your body, through the nerves. It says what's going on. And your soul has to make an assessment of it. Are you listening to me? Some of these things don't need to come to your spiritual attention because it's not a spiritual matter. You ain't got to pray about what you should do. Just rub it out. Boy, I remember when that boy banged his head like that, and his mama told him, I told him to do it. He was screaming, honey. He started jumping. She said, she said, she started saying, come on, shout out. Come on, come on, praise She started doing that. I said, boy, that is cruel. She started doing shouts. She said, she got there. She said, come on, dance it out. Shout it out. He was hollering, screaming, and going his head. She said, I told you not to do it, didn't I? She said, go ahead on and shout it out. And when he got through, she rubbed his head and said, oh, no, you need to shut up. But, boy, I thought I was going to black out. I laughed so hard. I was like, wow. She told him to shout it out. And then she rubbed it out. <laughs> she rubbed it. Your body talks to you. And just like your body talks to you, to your spirit, and says, we're going to go over here to Junebug house. I know he ain't marriage material. I know he's not Mr. Right. I just need him to be Mr. Right now. And your soul starts going through the memory brain saying, you know he ain't worth a dime because this is how he acted the last time. And then the flesh says, I made an adjustment. I lowered my expectations now. <laughs> and the spirit is saying, no, don't go over there. Grieve in the spirit. But see, if you are feeding your flesh and you're not renewing your mind, your mind and your flesh will double team your spirit and say, get in the back seat and shut up. We're going. We're going to do this. We are going to do this. Because you know why? It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. People live their whole lives by living and asking for forgiveness and repenting instead of just going to God in the first place and say, Lord, just direct me and give me wisdom. And just like your body talks to you and your soul has to process it, your spirit has to be strong enough to overrule what the flesh is doing because there's three parts of you. You are a trinity. That's the same way Jesus could be on the cross crying out to the Father. The way your body cries out to your spirit. They communicate. And because of redemption, his great love for mankind, for the first time in eternity, he separated himself. He sent his word out from him. Have you ever noticed that there's never two pieces of the God or two parts of the Godhead missing from heaven at one time? 
when he sent his word, the word came back and then he sent the Holy Ghost to the church. <laughs> He's always got two maintaining the situation. So in a sense, God Almighty, when we understand that death in the scriptures, is there's two types. There's bios death, where you, the, the, your life ends and dies. It's called bios, B-I-O-S. That's the Greek word for bios life. That's like animated life. The animation, when that's, a, that's a death when you stop breathing and you have the succession of life. You cease, to be, you cease to live. You cease to breathe. But then there is spiritual death, which is separation from God. Adam and Eve ate of the tree, broke the commandment, and the curse entered into their bodies and corrupted their spiritual DNA. And when their spiritual DNA was corrupted, it corrupted, it, it, it bled through parallel to their natural bodies. And because they were separated from God spiritually, they died spiritually, their bodies began to follow. And their bodies began to die. Slowly the life that God had put in them began to drain out of them. And they lived for another 900 years because the earth was oxygen rich. It was certain things in the earth that lended toward longevity. But all that ended after the flood because God said men are living too long and evil men are living way too long. So he changed it. The days of man, he shortened it. The life-giving properties in the atmosphere were broken up because there was no rain before that time. But when, the, when he broke up the fountains of the deep and he opened up the canopy and it began to rain for the first time, all that rich oxygen atmosphere where things grew bigger and giant, they died. It left. It stopped. And men began to change. Are you with me so far? And so when Adam died spiritually, his spirit man became corrupted. He got separated from God, and he got separated from the blessings of God, which was Eden. You got to get out of this. You got to get out of this. You can't live in this garden no more. This garden and that tree of life is me, and you just died spiritually. You just cut. You just pulled the plug, and you cut it, and so no longer you can live in here. You got to get out because if you stay here in your state of corruption and eat of the tree of eternal life, you will be eternally corrupted. It will be irreversible. Then I'll have to destroy you. But I got plans for you. So go on out. He blessed them. Be fruitful. Multiply. Cover the earth. In a sense. Now, now I'm not saying it because I don't know you theologians. That's false doctrine. In a sense. God died to bring you Jesus. He separated himself from himself. He sent the word. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians. And lo the first begotten comes into the earth. That's talking about Jesus. He was the first begotten. Why? Because he was the first thing that came that the Father released outside of himself was Jesus. He wasn't called Jesus then. He was the Logos. Why? Because he was the first thing that God released when he spoke him out and he, be, he the first begotten came out of him and everything else was begotten by the first begotten. Are you listening to me? That's why the Bible says in John chapter 1 he was in the world and the world was made by him. He came unto his own, and they received him not. He was God from God, God of God, God from God, God with us, Emmanuel. He is God, very God. He's just as much God as the Father and the Holy Spirit, just as much as your body and your soul and your spirit is you. But even in death, when you die, because of spiritual death, you now have physical death. And when you die, your spirit and soul are separated from your body, and your body goes back to the ground. But your spirit and your soul, the who you are, and your spiritual life force, that continues to live on. That is death in the natural plane, only followed and preceded by death spiritually, which is a separation from God. God, in his great love to redeem mankind, did something that we don't know he ever did before. He separated himself from himself. So that he could bring himself to himself. 
Think about it. He separated himself for the great love to redeem. Because man was separated from him spiritually, he then said, then I'm not going to ask you to do nothing that I'm not willing to do. He separated himself and sent his word. And then when the word returned, he sent the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that when the first begotten, and I'm, this is all new. I wasn't intending on talking about this. It ain't Romans 7. We got to get back to Romans 7. But the Bible says in Hebrews that the first begotten comes to the world. And it's almost like it gives the idea as he's descending from heaven, falling to the earth, to the body, to, to dwell inside a virgin woman. As he's descending, he says, a body thou hast prepared for me. This is the first begotten talking in the spiritual realm before he has took on flesh, before there was any sight or sound in this dimension. He's speaking into the spirit to the Father, a body thou hast prepared for me. And I'm going to do this until you said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit ye here till I make your enemies your foot. The Lord said to my Lord, how many lords you got here? The Lord said to the Lord. Because they both God. And I'm trying to understand it. You can't understand it. But the only way you can understand it is understanding you because you are a little miniature, a trichotomy. You ain't in the image of God because you're black or because you're white or because you got a nose and you got two legs. God don't got no legs. He don't need, what do he need legs for? Well, he got a throne. Do you think there were thrones and chairs in heaven before there were chairs on the earth? Come on. Where do you think chairs came from? Those are all abstract concepts. God don't need no throne. God don't need no seat. God doesn't need a chair. He don't need to have a body. These are all terms or images he projects to you for you to understand him because you can't understand him. You're going to see a throne, but do you really, is it really a throne? Or is it God manifesting himself on a throne saying, I'm seated, and I'm reigning, and I'm high, and I'm powerful, and I'm, I'm resting in my authority? He don't need no throne. God is energy. He's infinite, optimum. Energy, power. Sentient, thinking, power. He don't, he don't have any less power at the end of something than he does at the beginning. It's infinite. It's an unstoppable flow of power constantly in flux in the universe. Always in power, never getting tired. Well, you know, he rested on the seventh day. He didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was finished. He had nothing else to do. He doesn't expend any more energy to kill a cancer than he does to kill a whooping cough. It's all the same. All it is is something that he just turns around like the matrix. He just rewrites it and sends it and redirects it because everything is beholden to him. Come on, somebody. Everything is made by him, made for him, through him, to him, of him, by him. Everything consists of him. And the Bible says, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Jesus says, a body you prepared for me. Lo! I come in the volume of the books. It is, what books are you talking about? It's written in the books. They spoke and prophesied. In other words, you put the word. I came and I was a word in the mouth of your prophets. And they began to prophesy and begin to speak. And it took thousands of years. But suddenly, all those words that, you, that I spoke out into this realm are now the platform that I'm built to walk in to this reality. I had to bring myself out of myself to take myself to myself. Step by step. They prophesied for thousands of years. Even Balaam prophesied about them. Go ahead and curse Israel. It came under the power and said, I can't curse what God has blessed. He said, behold, I see a star coming out. 
I see him. I see his power. There's a shout of a king in the midst. You say they ain't got no king. There's a king around them. He began, all the prophets began to prophesy, and that became the platform that the first begotten can now manifest in the flesh. That's why you got to watch what you say. That's why you have to watch what you claim you prophesy. What you say becomes the platform that God can build with. A good man out of the good treasure of his spirit bringeth forth good things, and likewise an evil person brings what? Building material. It first starts in the spirit, then it goes to the natural. You're talking kind of strange now, Pastor. That sounds like some type of mind type. Isn't that what Jesus said? Have the faith of God. Lord, why is that tree over there you spoke and cursed and is dead? Why do that? I say to you, have faith in God for whatsoever man. Believe in his heart and says with his mouth, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And I say unto you, if you speak to that sycamine tree and say, get plucked up and be cast in the sea, he said, it should obey you. If you doubt not in your heart. Now, let me tell you something. When you stand praying, forgive. He starts getting into why your speaking power ain't working. Get your heart clear. You can't be contaminated with stuff from this world. You can't be contaminated with negative energy. Get it all out. Blow it out the exhaust and get rid of it. Hallelujah, Jesus. You see, God experienced a type of death when he separated himself from himself and sent himself to himself. I'm telling you something. Ain't nobody bad like Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, you being a little type of God, the little image of God is three and one and one and three. You know that, right? We've said that many times, right? Uh, uh, hold, hold Romans 7. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the very God of peace. It's hot in here. Turn the air conditioning up. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Not holy as in holy God, holy as complete. That the very God of peace sanctify you. Why did he pick the word of peace? How come he didn't pick the, the word of the very God of joy? The very God of happiness. The very God of holiness. The very God of power. He said the very God of peace. Because peace and sanctification go together. He said, may the God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. And I pray God your whole spirit. Soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth thee. Your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body. You are three in one and one in three. You're going to continue to be defeated by the devil. You're going to be continue to be tricked by the devil until you understand your own trichotomy. Because the devil will use the knowledge of you and how you are made up against you if you don't understand who you are and how you function. The more you know how you function internally, the more you can end the deception of the enemy. Because you know how you work. You need to learn it. You are a spirit man. You are supernatural. You are an eternal being. A spirit wrapped in a soul, wrapped in a body. Everything in the world is three in one. The atom, the proton, neutron, electron. 
land, sea, air. Come on. Everything, three, one, working together. Three working together to make one. Everywhere you look is three. The bone is the bone. The marrow, come on, is three. The tissue, everything is three. And the word of God is the only thing that's sharp enough to cut between the bone. Come on, somebody. The image of three and one and one and three is everywhere. It's like a Fibonacci fractal. It's just on and on in this three and one, one and three. Everywhere you look. You are a spiritual being. You have a soul. You are a living knowledge. Tonight, Pastor, are we going to know who he is when we get to heaven? Sure you are. What's the point of going to heaven and waking up and don't know who you are? I don't want to be unconscious and, you know, I mean, <laughs> everything I went through, I ain't got no more testimony. If you wipe the slate clean, I get to heaven. We just here up in heaven now. <laughs> yes, you're going to know who you are. You're going to know who your family are. You're going to know who people are. You're going to know everything. You're going to know even as you are known, the Bible says. Known by who? Even as you are known by God, you will know them. You'll have intimate knowledge of these things. You'll just know things as opposed to wondering and guessing about things. Why? Because when you are recreated and your body has been recreated in Christ Jesus to be brand new, the war is over. You don't have to wonder, is this my flesh or is this God? Is this, my, this is what I want? Is this my lust? Is it you? Yeah, the wonder because now your flesh is going to be completely brand new and subdued under the law of God. And your mind will be caught between a born again, new created spirit and a reborn, new created body. And now your soul will begin to take on the job it was originally intentioned to be, to just to be the in-between, the cross between the two, the bridge. Isn't it ironic that Jesus was separated from the Father and took on flesh, and he became the bridge between God and man? See, the parallel truth. Your soul is the mediator between the flesh and the spirit, and the battle is not with devils because Jesus has defeated the devil. He's already overthrown the devil. He spoiled principality. He robbed them. The devil has already been defeated. The problem is the warfare is spirit over mind and mind over body. That's what spiritual warfare is. It ain't fighting devils in the heavenly. He ain't tell you to do that. He said, well, he said we wrestle not. Yes, we are wrestling with them because they're still contending to hold on to property that don't belong to them. But they've been defeated. We ain't supposed to be fighting them. We take authority over them. We arrest them. We're the sheriff. We are the cleanup crew. We are to exert the authority of the kingdom of God and say, the kingdom of God has come right here, right now. And whatever you was doing before I got here, got to stop. Because I'm a represent. I'm here to represent Jesus to the world. I'm here to represent, to represent. I'm a representative of the kingdom. Hallelujah. And you become a part of his body. Why are you the Lord using all these terms, body? You become the body of Christ, the body of the anointed. That's what Christ is. It never says you're the body of Jesus. It says you're the body of Christ. Christ is the anointed person. Christ is the person of redemption. Christ is the person of the anointing, the anointed like unto Jesus. Are you listening to me? When you become a part of the body of Christ, you are now carrying the DNA of the Son of God in you. Everywhere you go, you are putting the Son of God wherever you are. And the devil is doing all he can to subdue and minimize and block and stop you from manifesting the sonship of God. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. That's why your success in the Christian walk is how well can you be led by the Holy Ghost. 
Your job and here, is, I could teach, you know, I, I love teaching churches. There's some churches that do all this. They do this series after series. And, I mean, when you get done with them, you have a Bible college degree. You'll know the Greek word for everything. You'll understand yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you don't come to church to have a college degree. We come here to worship and to hear the priest and talk word that ministers that feed, he, that feed the flock. He told Paul, he said, Paul told the man in, in, in Acts, he said, feed the flock of God. Whom the Holy Ghost has made you the overseer of. He said, feed them. Because after I'm gone, wolves are going to come in. And they're not going to spare the flock. Right? So that's the job is to come here to get your spirit fed. Not to necessarily get a Bible education of what every Greek word and everything means. That's not the purpose of church. We come here to worship and to be fed. Okay? You want to get all that intimate Bible college, take catechism. On your own time. Come on, somebody. We don't come, we come, we don't come here to have class. We come here to have church. We come here to worship. It's something different. Are you listening to me? And the problem with the modern day church is we got so much information, but rarely any of it is teaching you how to be led by the spirit. When that's the most important thing, your job is to get full, to get baptized in the Holy Ghost and to be full of the Holy Ghost and then learn how to be led by the Holy Ghost. And you're easier to be led by the Holy Ghost the more you're full of it. And you are more or less full of the Holy Ghost from time to time. Sometime when that Holy Ghost is low. Now, you, he's present, but the unction is low. Do you not know that there's one baptism, but many refillings? The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Ephesians says, wherein is excess. Drunkenness takes you to become inebriated. You do stupid stuff when you're inebriated. You go home with people that you ordinarily wouldn't go home with. You hang out with people that you ordinarily would not hang out with. You do dumb stuff like drive when you're inebriated. It's an excessive lifestyle. Why? Because you're trying to disconnect. That's all you're doing with liquor is disconnecting. You ever notice that people that drink don't want to be around you? You ain't going to drink. You know why? Because they know they're going to do something stupid. And they don't want you that looking at them do something stupid. They want you to be getting stupid with them. So we can all be stupid together. No judgment. Be not drunk with wine wearing this excess, but be filled. That word be filled is a continuous arrowless tense. It means to be being filled. It should be translated and be being filled. And be being filled with the spirit. Speaking. We talked about that Sunday. When you're filled, you begin to speak. Every time you hear them filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to see speaking following. Be filled and speaking. We ran through that Sunday morning. Remember that verses? Go back and listen to it. Filled, and they holy men were filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake as the Holy, and they spake as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance. Filled and speaking go together. Why? Because there has to be some demonstration on the outside to prove what's happened on the inside. Because it's a parallel truth. As the Father, was, as Jesus and the Father were speaking to each other, and then he, before he took on the body, and then he came into the body and he manifested the Father's will. What's inside should come out. Be filled, be continuously. So the first thing you got to do is come out of darkness into this marvelous light. And the only way you can come out of darkness is somebody must preach the gospel. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But then the Bible says, how should they hear except God sends somebody? How should they hear except somebody preaches it? And how should they preach it except they be sent? There's a lot of people that are preaching that haven't been sent. There's a lot of people that are preaching that God ain't sent them nowhere. You see, when God sends you, he announces you. 
You don't have to announce yourself. He announces you. This is my son. Everywhere Jesus went, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son. Hear ye him. This is my son. This day have I begotten you. He will announce you. You ain't got to put a badge on saying you deacon so-and-so. Or maybe you do in the church. I don't know. Somebody don't know. But you don't have to tell nobody you're a prophet. Just be one. You can't keep that kind of secret down. If you really got that gift, it's going to work. Yeah, I'm a prophet. I went to the prophetic, prosthetic training, and they taught me how to prophesy. and I'm looking for, I'm getting ready to step out in the ministry, so I'm a prophet, and I'm going to be prophetic. And, and how come he won't let me prophesy to the people? I'm going to go to a church where I can do my prophesizing at. Because, see, you pastor, you're trying to stunt my ministry. You're trying to hold me back. See, you're trying to hold me back. They got a whole conspiracy going. That's why it ain't happening. That's why the doors ain't flying open. It's the pastor that's stopping me, stopping my anointing. He's stopping me. He don't want me to prophesy because he know I'm going to turn it out if I prophesy. It's going to be all over. I know people that talk like that. Yeah, I can prophesy. You can and it's funny. They always want to prophesy to Christians. And the thing about Christians is Christians are real nice. You can prophesy some Bobby Boucher. You can tell some straight-up foolishness, and they'll sit there and say, yes, okay, well, thank you. That's a very nice word. All right, God bless you. Let's get out of, let's get out of this church. Let's get out. They won't say nothing to you. They'll let you slide. Look at somebody say, they'll let you slide. They'll let you slide with some foolishness. The Lord told me I saw you in a purple suit in the spirit. God said you gave up the pimping game. Come on, isn't that right? Isn't that right? <laughs> I got people to think that whatever they see is of God. There no, ain't no filters. It's everything that comes to their head. This is God. I had one lady, I said, how do you know that's God telling you that? Because I wasn't thinking it. It had to be God because it came to my mind. It didn't come from me. That's your acid test? <laughs> it just popped in your head. What if Satan is popping stuff in your head? I told one person, I ain't holding you back. You can't hold nobody back with a word of knowledge. How are you going to hand back a word of, a word of knowledge is real? It's going to come to, it's going, how you going to hold that back? You start prophesying real prophetic words, it's going to get around. My God, so-and-so said a word and hit me around the head. It was the truth. God spoke that thing through her. It was real. You can try to hold that back if you want to. It's going to be a problem. You better turn that gift loose. So I tell folks, if you really got the real prophetic ministry, go to the supermarket where ain't nobody saved and prophesy to them. <laughs> prophesy to the folks out in the world because, see, they won't be nice to you. You might get cussed out. You might get another language, another tongue. I see something by the spirit. What you mean? You don't get out of here. What pull a gun? You might get shot. Anything might happen to you. You really that bold and it's that real and it's that deep? Go out there and try it on the virgin territory. Go find somebody who need a word. Don't you know if you gave a real word to somebody, they come to church and get saved that week. Might get the Holy Ghost in the supermarket. That's how I know the gift ain't all that potent because you need saints to help you do it. If it's real, it'll work inside the church and outside the church. This gift don't work just in the church. It works in the parking lots. It works in schools. It works everywhere. It don't just work everywhere. It works all the time. As the spirit wills. You got some folk who are some conjurers now. They bet they can just conjure up the spirit anytime they want to. My mother used to call them back in the old south. They had the witch doctors. They called them the conjuring doctor. They go see the conjuring doctor to get something put on somebody. Get somebody fixed. <laughs> we got a bunch of conjuring doctors in the church too. Doctors of conjuring up stuff. Amen. Don't look at me like that. If it's a real gift, can't nobody hold it back. You got the real ministry of healing. You just start doing what God tells you to do. People start getting healed. 
only person that will come against you is the devil. If your pastor don't like people getting healed, you praying for them, and they really getting healed, then you better get away from that pastor. I'd be glad if y'all started getting folks healed. It's like, thank you, Jesus. Come on up and help me pray for all these folks. <laughs> Going back to start in the back, I'm going to start in the front. We'll meet in the middle. Go ahead, work it out. Service will get out sooner. Than, come on, somebody. You got a real prophetic word? I'm going to be the first one with the Lord telling you. What you see? You see, people just really want to perform. I put a post up on Facebook, and it said, if you're from another preacher, it said, if your desire to preach, your passion to preach is greater than your burden to study, you're more interested in performing. You ain't interested in really doing ministry. Amen. Nobody needs anybody shooting blanks. We need somebody with a loaded pistol. I'm meddling now, and I'm almost done. So let's talk about this law of the mind for a quick hot second. <laughs> you know it's going to be a second. Don't look at me like that. Romans 7. Are you enjoying this so far? Okay. Romans 7, 23. But I see another law in my members. What members are you talking about? He's talking about your body. Warring against the law of my mind. Bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. There it goes. Spiritual warfare right there. He just told you. The law of sin is where? In your fingers, toes, ankles, wrists, neck, neck bone. <laughs> it's in your members. The Bible goes on for us and says, Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. No good thing. In me, in my flesh dwells no good thing. So the desire to cast out devils didn't come from your flesh. The desire to see the gospel be propagated didn't come from your flesh. Come on, somebody. Because in your flesh dwells no good thing. The flesh is never going to tell you to sow $100 or $1,000 seed. Flesh is like, you can't afford that. You ain't giving the church all that kind of money. You need that money. You was going to buy you an inner tube for your pool this week. You can't do that. God wants you to enjoy that pool like that. He don't want you to make a sacrifice and give it. Your flesh is never going to agree with the spirit of God. Never. It's always going left. Always. So then Paul says, your flesh is enmity to the spirit of God. That means there's some, there's some issues there. That means they war against each other. What the flesh wants and what the spirit. So he just told you, he put you on notice. Your flesh is not to be trusted. I don't care how much you work it out, how many muscles you got, how many shakes you drinking, and how many nutrients you putting into it, your flesh can't be trusted. Do you know you can turn that into a God and become an idol? Getting yourself healthy. You're just working out all the time and you're more in the temple. You're more inside of, uh, inside of a gym than you are in the house of God. You're more into building your own body than you are the building body of Christ. That's why you got to have balance in everything. And people feel so good about themselves because they're working out. It becomes a point of idolatry. Likewise, you ain't supposed to just eat everything and be out of control either. I know a whole lot of people that are powerful spiritually, but they need somebody to help them walk down the highway. But they can pray you through. Yeah. Yeah, you can. So, so it's, an Im it's a balance to the flesh. God wants you to be healthy. And here's a lot of things. We want to be healed and have fell health. But there's a part you have to do. You have to say, Lord, I'm doing all I can to take care of this body. I find people say, I'm sick. I say, are you sleeping well? No, I'm not sleeping good. Okay. Well, they're eating stuff. They're not sleeping well. You're not taking care of the body that God gave you, but then you want to claim a miracle. Sometimes you have to repent for abusing your body. 
Sometimes you say, Lord, I don't give my body enough rest. I know I don't sleep. I'm up reading this and doing that. I should be in the bed and watching TV or doing something else. I should be resting my body. I get three hours of sleep a night. Well, you're going to break down sooner or later. Now, I'm not saying God won't heal you and God won't have mercy on you, but there's also a point that God will heal you and heal you, but eventually you'll find that healing won't work for you if you don't change your habit. People don't like that. Because, see, what the devil wants you to do is get so excessive in one area that he can exploit that excessiveness. Oh, yeah. That's what he wants to do. He wants to push you one way. He wants to push you far right or push you far left. Anything but having balance. God wants you to be balanced. He said there's a law of sin. The law of sin is operating in your body. Romans 8 and 7, because the carnal mind, he said, because the carnal mind, look what he says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. Enmity means the state, of, the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. He said the carnal mind is actually hostile to the law of God. You didn't know you had all that stuff in you working against you, did you? You did know, didn't you? He says it's at work, the carnal mind. So in your body is the law of sin. And then the carnal mind, what does carnal mean? Carnal means flesh. So the carnal means body-ruled mind. The mind that the body has the most influence over. Don't wait to control it. Totally automatic. All of my systems are down. Down, down, down. You remember that song? Automatic. They sung that song back in the 80s. That was the Pointer Sisters. They was doing the Neutron dance. You remember that? I'm just doing the Neutron. You remember that song? You saw Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, okay, y'all so sad. Y'all don't remember. <laughs> but the song was saying, automatic all my systems run down when you come around it's just like automatic all of my systems are down you just saying you body ruled you just saying you ain't got no way to control it you ain't got you do got a way to control you don't want to control it because your flesh is on automatic enmity with God you can't ask your flesh what it wants to do it never wants to do the right thing the flesh has to be woe out and says, okay, I'm tired. Lay me down. Lay me down. <laughs> and that's because it ain't got no energy. <laughs> he said, as a law of sin at work in my members, the motions of sin, the activity of sin is in your body. So now you know that your flesh is your enemy. Then he says, the carnal mind is hostile toward the things of God. Romans 7 and 5 says, for when we are in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, by the law, listen when it says, were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now what does he mean? The motions means the passions and movements. Flesh has a movement. Sin has a movement in your flesh. The motions of sin, the passions of sin, these things, it, in other words, the law of sin, when it begins to manifest, is in motion. In your body. The curse that came from the garden upon you when Adam's sin was passed down to you. He said it's at work inside of you, and when, you, when, you, when it begins to operate, that is when it's in motion. He says, well, wait a minute. You didn't know it was sin until the law came. The law of God came and revealed what was sin, and because your nature is fallen, it immediately wanted to go the wrong way instead of going the right way. It's got a mind of its own. Why don't your flesh just want to do right? I want your flesh help you do right. It just won't. Because he said as soon as the law came, it activated. 
It was just laying there dormant in sin. With a, it had all the potential to do wrong and the inclination to do wrong. But it wasn't doing nothing until the law came and said, don't do that. Then it's like, oh, you give me a law to break? I'm going to break it. That's how the flesh operates. You put a boundary for it, and it wants to get as close to the boundary as it can, and then it slips over. Well, you know, that's how the flesh is. It wants to do what it wants to do. There's a motion operating in it. Are you listening? Roman proves this out. There's a degrading. Sin never takes you up. Sin is a departure from the original purpose and design for which God created something. It ain't smoking, drinking, cursing, lying. Those are the symptoms of excess and sin. you got to do something with the root to control those things. As long as the root is not done with, it's going to run and rule your life. Are you listening? Romans 1 and 21, because that when they did not know God, they did not glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful, and they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts darkened. He's talking about those who give themselves over to the flesh to the degree where flesh becomes their God, and flesh begins to rule their life. And he goes down and starts talking about all the kind of people who let the flesh take over. And namely, he talks about the homosexual. Now, why is he so hard on the gay person? God loves gay people, doesn't he? He loves all people. He doesn't like that, that, what, they, that what they do that operate because it's unlawful. It's going against what his purpose. It's a departure from the original purpose and design from which God created it. So he has a disdain for anything that's breaking from what he created his purpose for. Don't take the TV. Don't take what I made to be a salad bowl and turn it into a toilet. You wouldn't want to make a gold bowl, beautiful jeweled up, and say, go ahead and use the bathroom in it. You don't want to do that. You get mad at somebody. God doesn't like that. So what perceived it? They would not glorify God. And so therefore, he gave them over. And their imaginations began to create a way to do something that was unlawful. He said their foolish heart was darkened. You see, he says when you depart from the knowledge of God, and the worship of the true God, you descend to a place where you bow and worship the flesh. And then homosexuality is only a natural course because you lose and break away from the image of God and begin to bow to the image of another person just like you. You glorify the creature more than the creator. And this is the opposite swing. When you depart from worship of the true and living God, you swing this way. So if you departed from the worship of God and it swung that way, what about if you return to the worship of God? You see, that's why when you're in homosexuality, you really can't worship God because it's an idol. And you worship it and God, but see, God won't let you have another God with him. So then you're just really worshiping that God and being religious. But if you would turn to worship, pure, true worship, you will break the stronghold of homosexuality because homosexuality is a departure from worship. When you depart and go here, this is where you end up bowing down before another human being in inordinate affection. When you return to worship, you break free from that curse. That's why the Bible says, and we with where the spirit of the Lord is or where the spirit is Lord, there is freedom. And we with open face behold the glory of the Lord as in a mirror. And as we see the reflection, we see ourselves and we are changed into the image. We behold his image. As in, whoever walked into a mirror and you see Jesus and don't see you. He said, you walk up to the mirror of the Lord and you don't see yourself, you see the Lord in that mirror. 
mirror. And as you behold his image, you are changed into the image that you are beholding from glory to glory. Worship is transformation. That's how you get your mind right. That's how you get your heart right, by turning it back to the worship of the true and living God. That's how you break every evil habit. That's how you break your flesh free from stuff that's out of control because the way you got bound in the flesh is your departure. You glorified something else more than the living God and it entraped you. It caught you up. But if you will turn, if you will turn in your mind, which is called repent, which is called metanoia, have an about face, a radical mind shift and say, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to bow down and worship God. It might get difficult. It might get hard. But if you keep on worshiping God, you keep on pressing in and say, you are mine and I am yours. This body is your body. This mind is your mind. I bow before you. If you mean it, there's going to be a transforming power. It will transform you from what you were. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. So departing from idolatry and returning to worship, if it will do that for homosexuality, which is the furthest swing of the pendulum, what will it do to all the other sins in between? Because you can't keep on making him Lord. You can't keep crowning him inside of your heart and keep making him Lord and keep saying yes to him and not my will and keep surrendering him and stay the same. You can't do it because if you keep doing it, he will rewire your brain. Do you know they say that pornography is so bad now that young men and women are watching it. And they said after you watch it for a period of time, it literally rewires your brain. It rewires the pleasure centers in your brain to be stimulated through visual and not even through touching. They have a bunch of young men now that need Viagra and Cialis because they've been watching pornography so much. It has rewired their brains. They can't function naturally. I'm talking the truth now. They can't function. Why? Because they've allowed an idol to be erected in their body. And guess what? It happened with a spiritual drawing away. But look at the parallel. It rewired themselves inwardly and the body soon followed and rewired itself. And now their body by something what happens when you start worshiping like David what happens when you start bowing down and beholding the Lord in this word and worshiping him guess what it starts rewiring your internal organ it starts rewiring your soul it starts rewiring your pleasure centers suddenly when you think of the goodness of Jesus something comes upon you your synapses light up your serotonin starts flowing the dopamine starts kicking in when the joy of the Lord, guess what? You have been rewired. Because the law of the mind is this. He said there's a law in my mind. We read it, right? Further explanation of it, the law of the mind is this. The law will be conformed to whatever it is exposed to the most. Because it is an in-betweener. It is a neutral power. The flesh is definitive. The spirit is intentional, but the mind is modal. It's neutral. It's the in-betweener. So therefore, if you mold that which is modable to line up with what that is intentional, you will live in victory on purpose, and you will put the flesh under subjection and control it. Are you listening to me? 
your emotions that are running wild and you can't get them away. Get under the feet and begin to worship God. Somebody broke your heart and tore you down. Get in there and say, Lord, I don't know what to do with this, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to give you glory and glorify your name. My lips shall praise thee. Thus shall I bless thee. I will lift up my hands. Start reading the Psalms and learn how to worship God and begin to worship him. Guess what? He will rewire you internally. He will wire out the person that broke in your heart. That's why the Bible says he has an anointing to bind up the brokenhearted. He ain't got to take you through therapy. He ain't got to talk to you for 75 hours. He ain't got to walk you down through your childhood. He just passes by you an anointing that binds up. Up, the brokenhearted, he rewires you from the inside out. And you start learning that worship ain't something I do at church. Worship is a lifestyle. My giving is worship. My driving, I'm worshiping. When I'm talking to you, I'm worshiping to God because he told me to love them that hate me, bless them that come on. Everything I do starts becoming an act of worship. And now I'm a 24-7 worship ceremony. Even, come on, come on somebody. Well, what about when you're with your wife and you're having sex? Even then, you ain't got to be speaking in tongues, but you come on somebody in here. You begin to show the love of God and you put somebody else ahead of yourself. I can't get no help in here. Worship is a sacrifice. Are you listening? Worship will change every way you do everything if you learn to be a worshiper. It's the key to breaking a stronghold. It's the key to rewiring your mind. Because your mind is so early. You be trying to pray and it's thinking about the stupidest things you can think of. Stuff you ain't thought about in weeks, it just comes up out of your mind. Hey, look, look at this. Hey, the devil's like, hey, think about this. Because your flesh is like, I don't want to change. Don't make me change. And that's when you press in and say, no, worship. I'm a father, I worship you. I glorify your name. Jesus, I lift you up and exalt you. Lord, you mean more to me than anything else. I glorify your name in all the earth. Lord, teach me how to love you. Show me how to please you. Teach me how that I can go in and come out among you. Well, come on, so you start talking to the Lord like that. Guess what you're doing? You're forcing your mind. You're forcing your mind. Because see, God made us like this. You can't talk and think about something else is thinking. You can't be talking in a conversation with me and thinking about, you ever see somebody talking to you, but their mind is somewhere else? And like, where are you at? You're not here. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking about something else. See, you can't talk and think about something else at the same time. God made you like that. So if you begin to worship God, you can't think about stuff you ain't supposed to think about. If you start worshiping God and praising God with your mouth as you think and praise God, it begins to retrain your thinking and retrain the way you think. And it begins to rewire your pleasure centers. And the things that used to give you pleasure don't please you no more. Have you ever outgrew stuff that used to make you happy? You just thought, I was going to never get this out. But did you just outgrew it? Have you ever outgrew some stuff that you loved when you was younger? And then you got mature and was like, I'm going to I used to have G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, and there's no way you could tell me I wasn't going to have these forever. It's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> Captain Action with the helicopter arm. Bullet Man, G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. I could spend hours playing with dolls. 
playing with my G.O.G., setting them up with dances and fighting and stuff, and just go to bed and wake up many eye in the morning. G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Snake eyes, you couldn't tell me this stuff wasn't the greatest thing in the world. But after a while, it was less and less. And after a while, G.I. Joe beard started coming off. G.I. Joe lost his grip and I don't know where it was. And he, a couple of years later, G.I. Joe looked like he lost his job, was on the street, homeless with no clothes. He's just in a box somewhere, naked, with a twisted up head, missing arm. I don't know where them clothes went. I don't know what happened to all that stuff. Because I was beginning to mature and my objectives changed. And like Paul said, I put away childish things. When I thought of, I put away childish things, I became thinking adult. I, it just, I didn't, nobody had to put me in a room. You no more G.I. Joe for you. No more G.I. Joe. Nobody had to, to put me in a room and shock therapy me. Nobody had to put me on cold turkey. I just grew out of it. you start renewing your mind through worship, it is going to rewire you, and you're going to grow out of something, and it's just going, you're going to look up and say, that hunger's not there. And you may say, I'd have it. Let me go to the shop one more. Just, you know, it just don't do for me what it used to do for me. It's like that roller coaster I used to love to get on. I used to love that roller coaster. Boy, I would leave it, and my stomach would be still up there going down. Oh, love it. I got on there after I turned 40. I got in a row. I said, what the? I said, what the? I said, what the Hades is going on? I said, what's wrong? I'm wobbling. My legs. I said, wait a minute. What's going on? Wait a minute. I, that's the love to mean streak. I used to, I used to love this. And now I'm like, whoa, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Satan, the Lord rebuked. The devil tried to jump on me while I was in roller coaster. No, no. You're getting older now. Your stomach don't like to be left up 10 feet up in the air. Your stomach is more at home now where it is. It wants to lay down and watch Netflix. It don't want to be left up in the air. I got to let y'all go right now. <laughs> but stuff just matures and you grow out of it. You can't underestimate the growth process. Now, I'm not to say, that's not to say you're supposed to stay in sin and stay in stuff. Well, I'm just growing out of it, child. I'm going to get my, I'm just, I ain't growing out yet. I ain't talking about that now. You will never grow out of it until you intentionally, on purpose, make an effort to come out of it. Worship will rewire and work against the law. It will use the law of the mind for you instead of letting the devil use the law against you. Is this clear? Did this make sense? That's why you see me going broke in worship. I know the secret of it. I can't stay the same as I worship. I feel better if I just start giving a few thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just by praising the Lord, I start feeling better. You can get out of a sick bed by just praising him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is the joy and the strength of my life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Who shall I be afraid? A thousand shall fall at my right. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He has set his love upon me. When I call upon him, he shall answer me. With long life will he satisfy me. And I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's in my house. He's in my home. He knows the number of hair on my head. Knows my address. Knows how to get it to me. Knows what I need. Before I ask him, and it says, ask that your joy can be made full. Come unto me, all ye that are labor and are heavy later, and I'm going to give you rest. You can't do that 
and stay trapped. You can't do that. You can't do that and stay bound. It may be a little wobbly at first when you start trying to light that fire. Because that flame don't want to get low. But if you put some fasting on it, some praying on it, and say, you're going to break this. We're going to come loose here. Old folks should say, loose here. Loose here. You can do it. Why? Because God gives you the power and the ability to become. You don't have to be dead. You don't have to be a hoard. You ain't got to be a home wrecker. You ain't got to be doing, you, ain't gotta, you don't have to be it. You have the power to become. And as many as received him, he gave them power to become. You can become. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I give you glory. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Lord, help us to renew our minds. Lord, help us to become true worshipers that worship you in spirit and in truth. Yes, to be changed from glory to glory, from glory to glory, ever into your image. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. It's offering time. Let's take up an offering and let's get ready to go. That's our last thing we'll do. Let you go after you leave. We'll dismiss you. We'll run over again. The word just gets good. When we walk, we, we start digging and hit a gold vein. We just got to keep on hitting that gold until we get it out. Anybody got a question while we're getting ready to lift an offering? You got a question, Arya? What is your question? You've been trying to figure out how to get your flesh under subjection. I know. I know. You're tired of living that life of sin. You're tired of sitting up all night in your room when everybody else is going to bed, disobeying family. I know. I'm tired. <laughs> tired of running the hallways in the middle of the night disobeying, tired of throwing the broccoli in the garbage, you're tired of that life of sin. What else could she be doing right at that age? Huh? Tired of sneaking candy when you're not supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, I got a question. Any questions? Who got a question? Nobody got a question? That means I talk so good. <laughs> no one has a question. If you want to give, you can give 7384-734-888-4247. Give through your smartphone. Use that to text any amount to that number. Text any amount to that number. Hit the send button. A form will come back. Fill that form out if you've never filled it out. If you've already filled it out and given before, it gets even easier the next time. It will do it only one time. It will never take out of your account without you hitting the send button. Otherwise, you can use your cash app. And you, if you got cash app on your phone and don't know how to use cash app, you need to erase cash app because if you got it, <laughs> you know how to use it. The name is Dollar Sign River Bless. Or you do it the old-fashioned way. Write a check. Make it payable to NWG. Or you do it the real OO way. And that's through cash. Cash is king still. Amen. If you need to put it in cash, put it in an envelope and put your name on it. And we will track it. And at the end of the year, we will let you know how much you've given to the ministry. And we'll give you a receipt for it that you can turn it into the IRS and get credit for it if that's what you desire. You know, some saints don't want to do that. And we respect that too. Amen. That's all up to you. Amen. Father, we thank you for giving us everything you've given us. And so, Lord, you've given us a chance to give back to you, not because you need it, but because we need to learn how to become givers because you're a giver. And we thank you for everything you've done. We don't give to get. We give because you already gave, and that's why we're able to give. But, Lord, we also thank you that we shall have no lack, that you supply all of our needs. Lord, in these dark days, we're talking about raising gas up to $10 before the summer's out. Lord, if they raise gas up to $10, Trucking is going to go up. Food supply is going to go up. Everything is going to go up everywhere. Everything that costs gas, tripe, plane trips, traveling, everything's going to go up, Lord, but you already know this stuff before it happened. You already knew. You knew wicked men would do this. So, Father, I thank you that you're going to supply all of our need for the righteous.
You're going to meet all of our needs. We're going to go without lack. We're going to lack nothing. I thank you you have folks roll up with trucks and cars to give us food. And you'll help us, Father. We thank you that you're going to make a way. For we've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed begging for bread. Lord, you're going to make a way. And so we thank you for it. We thank you for bonuses, raises, and sales and rebates. I thank you that God's people are going to work. Let the sinner be out of work, but let God's people have gainful employment. Father, I thank you for uncommon favor. Cause men to give unto our bosom, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I thank you for witty ideas and money-making inventions. I thank you for sending angels to people to help them process and get their ideas out public. Father, we thank you for divine assistance. Lord, you have anointed someone to help us. Lord, help us to meet the people who are anointed to help us in the name of Jesus. Order our steps. We rejoice because they are ordered in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering to bring, would an envelope come? Amen. Deacon Wayne will receive that offering. Just come from where you are. I know Usher, just come on out from wherever you are. Bring your offering. Up down the middle on the side. Come, come, come. Bring your offering. Hell yeah. He will do whatever you ask him to. Just have faith and believe any blessing you will receive. For there is no Let's stand up on our feet. We get ready to go home. Don't forget, July the 17th, I mean, uh, 18th and 19th, we got Prophet Tracy Cook is going to be here with us for three days, Sunday morning, Monday night, and Tuesday night. We're excited about that coming. Also, we have uh, the church picnic is coming up. We got the cooking show is coming up this Saturday for the ladies. I think I think 70 women have signed up for that already. We're going to have fun back there cooking and I might even stop in to see the powder flying and the eggs dropping. I might walk up on the meal. You never know. You say, no, it's not going <laughs> to Stop buying that. 70 folks cooking. Somebody going to cook something right. Amen. Got to. So, with uplifted hands, Father, we thank you for this word. Help us to hear it and add to our faith. Let faith come by hearing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you. Be gracious unto you. Go with you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. I say peace to the family. You say peace to the shepherd. Peace to the family. Sister Jayla, you got the Holy Ghost Sunday, didn't you? I heard she went home after she got the Holy Ghost in the back. She came up here and fell out, got the Holy Ghost. Went back in the back and spoke in tongues. And they tell me when she got home, she walked in the door and heard a voice say, speak. And the power hit her in the floor and she started talking in tongues all over again. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. 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 Look at somebody say, the comforter has come. Also, the young people are getting together for a trip for Cedar Point toward August. So they're going to go out there. I might even join them on a trip to Cedar Point. I might tempt the hand of fate on the mean streak once again. Amen. So see Elder Ben. Raise your hand, Brother Ben. They're getting together. If you'd be interested in that trip. I don't know if we're going to go on a Saturday. We might go on a Friday. But we're going to charter a big air-conditioned bus and go when we do. We're going to do it right or we ain't going to do it at all. Amen. And, uh, amen. So let's get it together. If you're interested in that, talk to Elder Bend about it. Amen. Shalom.